I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Please follow along in your worship folder as we read portions of Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. Covering yourself with light as with a garment. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. O taste and see that the Lord is good. His promises are precious and very great. On this spring festival morning, we begin by celebrating God's goodness. Some of our missionaries will introduce themselves and share a promise from God's word that's precious to them. God's power to fulfill his promises is one of his many good gifts to us. Now, you're not going to hear from all our missionaries this morning. You'll hear from the rest tonight in our evening service, which is really a continuation of this service. We are Phil and Ann Bauer. A promise from God's word that is meaningful to us as we lead Send International is, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Psalm 32, 8. We are Matt and Lisa Beefus. A promise from God's word that is precious to us as we provide Christian education in Costa Rica is being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1, 6. I am Janet Blomberg. A promise from God's word that is meaningful to me as I serve missionary kids and missionary families around the world is if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. James 1, 5. We are Eric and Sarah Channing and a promise from Jesus that we trust as we prepare to train national leaders in Rwanda is this. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not fail to receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. We are Jim and Lynette Hatcher serving the church in Austria and a promise from God's word that strengthens us comes from 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. We are Greg and Faith Hurst. A promise from God's word uh, that we rely on as we serve the church in Bolivia is... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I'm Steve Pardue, 
training leaders for Asia in the Philippines, my wife Terry and I cling to this promise from 1 Peter 5.10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. We are Stephen and Karis Rigby. A promise from God's word that is precious to us as we share the gospel in Kenya is in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength, Isaiah 30, 15. God's promises are a great blessing, a great gift to us. What's a promise from God's word that's precious to you? What's a promise from God's word that's precious to you? Well, this morning we'll consider some of the ways that God has blessed us. Tonight, we're going to look at more of God's blessings. These two services are really one extended service. You know, God's so good to us, we can't fit it all into one time. Let's start by defining terms. A blessing is a sign of favor that enriches life. A blessing is a generous gift given from a a greater party to a lesser party. In the Bible, all blessings have their source in God's love and are meant to be shared. Are meant to be shared. Now, the greatest blessing that we've received is a gift, is the gift of a restored relationship with God. How that reconciliation occurs is the greatest news the world could ever hear. It's called the gospel because gospel means news that brings joy in a history-making, life-changing way. Eric will describe that life-changing news that results in a relationship with God. The gospel is about God, us, Jesus and our response. God is completely loving and holy. He created us to love him and to know him and live in an intimate relationship with him. But we have a major problem. We have disobeyed God with our thoughts, with our actions, and in our very nature. And this disobedience is what the Bible calls sin. And every one of us in this room, the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The bad news is that the punishment, the wages of this sin is death. Not just physical death, but eternal death. Eternal separation from God. Amazingly, God has initiated the solution to our problem in Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus isn't one way to God He is the only way to God. So the Bible says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus was God, but he humbled himself by coming to earth as a man. And he lived a perfect life, a sinless life, a life that you and I could never live. And though he was innocent, He died on our behalf on a cruel Roman cross, 
taking God's punishment for my sin and yours upon himself. And he died. And three days later, he rose from the grave, proving that he was God and that he had defeated sin and death once for all. But it's not enough just to know these facts. We need to respond to them. Either we can continue in our disobedience and unbelief and suffer from separation from him, both now and forever. Or we can trust in Jesus Christ as God's solution for our sin. If we confess our sins and turn from them and turn to Christ, trusting in his life and his death instead of our own for the reconciliation between us and God, we will be saved. And we will have life both now and forevermore. Now many of you have put your faith in Christ already. And so let today be a day that you rejoice in the abundant grace and mercy you have received in Jesus Christ. But some of you here this morning have not yet believed. And if that's true for you, let today be the day that you trust in Christ. He is God's solution to our sin. It's a matter of life and death. This good, good news of a restored relationship with God is the greatest blessing God has given us. When we realize how good God is, we want to share his goodness with others. Witness flows out of gratitude. What's sobering is that 30% of the world's population Two billion people have virtually no access to the gospel. What we have heard hundreds of times, they have never heard once. This gospel disparity, this gospel famine is what drives our mission's efforts. The Bible teaches everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him In whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him him, in whom they've never heard? So, what's it like to have never heard the gospel? My fellow missionary, Joy, tells this story of her interaction with the Muslim woman. G, a gentle, beautiful Kurdish woman, begged me to come visit her this week. I had no idea why there was urgency in her voice, but was shocked to find out why. She had watched five beheadings on YouTube, which her husband had begged her to stop watching. I figured my job that day was to pray for the horrible images to be cast out of her head. But she said they didn't bother her. What she wanted to know was if God would tell someone to do such things. And was the Quran from God? That led into a long talk and reading scripture and revealing the beautiful, loving God we have. She looked longingly into my eyes with tears and said, I love the way you talk about God. He is so beautiful. Twice previously I had offered her a Bible, but she had refused. This time she was ready for it. 
It is amazing that she was afraid to read the Bible, but not to watch those YouTube beheadings. I left her with the Young Reader's Bible storybook, which she was eager to start reading. Blessed to be a blessing means that we courageously and intentionally send our sons and daughters with this gospel to the least reach. It means we go ourselves. It means that we share the gospel with people like G, who have never heard it before. And it means that we share the gospel with intentionality with people in our workplaces, in our neighborhood, in our schools, and anywhere else that God has given us influence. And we pray that God will give them faith to believe. God's blessing isn't simply to enrich our lives. His blessing is meant to be shared. And we find this theme all through the Bible. In Genesis, God calls Abraham to become God's means of blessing and redemption to all the people of the earth. Follow along in your worship folder as we read Genesis 12, 1 through 3 together. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And let's read that together. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. God promises to bless Abraham so that through Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, that promise given to Abraham in Genesis 12 is reaffirmed to his descendants, Isaac and Jacob. In Genesis 26, God repeats the promise to Isaac, saying, I will be with you, and I will bless you. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now, years later, in his letter to the Galatians, to the church in Galatia, the Apostle Paul explains that the offspring through whom all the nations shall be blessed is Jesus Christ. Thus, the ultimate promise given to Abraham is the promise of the gospel, that in Jesus Christ, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. In the Psalms, this same global theme is carried forward. Like Abraham, God's people are blessed to be a blessing. God's people receive God's favor so that God's saving power may be known among the nations. This point is made clear in Psalm 57. Follow along in your worship folder as we read the opening verses of Psalm 67 together. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. As we continue through the Bible, we find that the prophets Daniel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, they all affirm this same majestic theme 
that God will make his name known among all peoples. In Isaiah 25, we read this, God will bring his salvation to all peoples. God will destroy the covering that is cast over all peoples. He will remove the veil of death that is spread over all nations. And one day, people from these nations will say, this is the Lord. We've waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So we see the law, the Psalms, the prophets. That's the whole Old Testament teaches that the gospel is for all nations. And God's people, you and I, are to declare this good news of salvation to all nations. In the New Testament, the Apostle Peter makes our mission clear. Let us read 1 Peter 2, verse 9 together. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Revelation 7 describes the completion of God's mission. Let's read that together, too. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. We've just seen that from Genesis all the way through to Revelation, God's people are blessed to be a blessing. They receive the gospel. We receive the gospel to share the gospel. Four of the most important words in the Bible are in Christ so that we've been saved in Christ so that we will be a witness to our neighbors and to the nations. God's blessing on the life of the Christian is for the purpose of witness. And this biblical perspective expanding truth that we've been blessed to be a blessing has been the foundation for our mission's involvement over the last 150 years. As we continue in worship, please open your worship folder to the last page and tear out that back flap, that welcome panel, uh, now. And while I'm speaking, fill it out with your information. You know, if you'd like us to to pray for you, uh, write that there. At staff meeting every Tuesday, we go through all these prayer requests We'll pray for you. We'd love to to pray for you. If you have something you want us to pray about, please write it down. In just a moment, we're going to collect these panels during the offering. After the service, I invite visitors to stop by our welcome center just outside this room. We'd love to meet you if you're visiting College Church this morning. Now, in connections today, uh, you'll notice an announcement about an opportunity to buy property next to the church that has been on our strategic wish list, literally, For decades, for decades, we've been hoping that we could 
purchase this property. And the potential purchase of these properties, right in line with the theme of this festival, isn't to enrich ourselves, but to position ourselves for continued and even greater effective outreach to our neighbors and to the world, to strengthen our base as we increase our outreach. So make sure you read that exciting announcement in Connections today. We also encourage you to bring a friend to our services next Saturday evening or Sunday morning. A quick note regarding next Saturday evening's service on March the 7th. Uh, The South Campus is going to meet here in the sanctuary next Saturday night to celebrate baptism. Uh, They'll not be meeting at Edison. Pastor Josh Stringer will be preaching. We'll also have communion together. So that's next Saturday night is here. Now as we receive the morning offering and listen to the gospel sung by our choir, reflect on two questions printed on the back of your worship folder. For you to take a look at that. Here they are. What's a promise from God's Word that's been precious to you? Write it down. A promise that's been precious to you. Second, who has God placed in your life? Maybe a family member, a colleague, a neighbor, a friend who doesn't yet understand the beauty of the gospel. When can you set aside a few minutes to pray for them? This festival is a reminder of the biblical foundation of our missions involvement and a summary of some of the themes in missions we've discussed over the last 10 years. In addition to the gospel, God has blessed the people of College Church with many gifts. He's given us the gifts of theological expertise. There's so many people here who really know their Bible well. He's given us professional skills, education, English language ability, and material resources. Blessed to be a blessing means we consider how we can use these resources, all of them, for gospel proclamation and the strengthening of Christ's church. This morning we're going to look at two of those blessings. This evening we'll explore three more, plus how we are also recipients of blessing from the global church. Did you know that 85% of the churches in the non-Western world are led by pastors with no formal theological training? Did you hear that statistic? 85% of the churches in the non-Western world are led by a pastor with no formal theological training. If you're a student at Wheaton College, you've had more formal theological training than 85% of the pastors in the non-Western world. That's why we partner with seminaries around the world and provide scholarship funding for 90 nationals receiving theological training. The offering you just gave supports these leaders. Your giving means more churches are led by trained pastors. We have people with tremendous theological depth here at College Church. We are committed to sharing them with the rest of the world to strengthen the global church. That is why we send missionaries focused on training national leaders like Eric and Sarah to Rwanda, 
and Lynette and myself to Austria. It's why we send missionaries like Daniel Owens and Steve Pardue and Jamie Vians to, with PhDs in theology to teach in seminaries overseas. That is why we started the Fellowship for Theological Training to send college church pastors and professors around the world to teach courses in biblical exposition and the Bible. We send these people around the world to directly influence the theological depth of the global church. God has also blessed us with material resources. You know, one of the legacies of College Church is our commitment to use these resources to establish and strengthen the church worldwide. This is one of those family stories, these College Church family stories. It's amazing to tell over and over. In 1870, 145 years ago, College Church members voted that some of our giving should go towards foreign missions. And a few years later, we sent our first missionaries around the world. In 1878, we supported a man named Anastasios from Greece, a graduate of Wheaton College, to serve as a medical missionary in his home country of Greece. And a few years later, in 1882, George H. Fillion, an Armenian national who, like Anastasios, also studied at Wheaton, was commissioned by College Church for missionary service in Turkey. In the 1890s, we sent eight career missionaries around the world, including Dr. Pand to China. This led to College Church's involvement in China for over 50 years until the communist takeover in 1949. The parents and grandparents of many people of our church today served in China during those years, and some of you were born there. In 1910, we contributed to the support of 10 career missionaries and fully funded William C. Cooper as a missionary to Turkey and later to Bulgaria. Our missionary care for him was so strong that college church members referred to Cooper as their pastor. He was pictured on the weekly church bulletin opposite a photo of the current college church pastor, and the caption identified him as our pastor in Turkey. In 1933, Evan Welsh became the pastor of College Church, and occasionally he shared with the church council informal lists of the people that acknowledged Christ as Savior during that particular year. These lists showed that he considered any time and any place appropriate for Christian witness. The list for 1937 included 80 people that he had personally led to Christ in places like a Glen Ellen gas station, to a Naperville tuberculosis sanitarium, to private homes, and his own study. And his commitment to evangelism within our culture was matched by his commitment to establishing and strengthening the church beyond our culture to missions. At a church council meeting in October 1937, the commitment to financial involvement in missions was discussed. And despite the depression, giving to missions was actually increased. After a series of reports, Evan Walsh proposed that the church should strive for a missions budget that equaled or exceeded its home budget. This discussion led to a resolution that has guided our church since, and I quote, resolved that it is the definite purpose and aim of our church to have our missionary gifts in equal or excess of our home expenses. Now it took the congregation until 1954 to achieve parity for the first time. The budget that year allocated just over $27,000 
each to work at home and to abroad. But that parity has been our intentional and sacrificial goal ever since. Today, our annual giving to missions is about $2.9 million. This past year, that was 43% of the church's total funding. Because of this commitment to think beyond ourselves and to put our needs in the context of the global church, we've given, you've given tens of millions of dollars to missions over the years. You know, what's humbling about this family story, this college church family story, is that our early commitment to give beyond ourselves wasn't made when the church was large. It wasn't made when the church was rich. It was made when the church was small, when it could fit into what's now just the choir room, practice room. It was made when the church was small and recovering from the Great Depression. Giving to missions wasn't made to the detriment of local outreach. Did you hear what Eric said? Evan Welsh led 80 people to Christ in the same year that he proposed giving more to missions. He believed in the priority of local evangelism. I think what guided the church toward this commitment to parity was a biblical perspective on how richly God has blessed us, how desperate the world is for the gospel, and how well-positioned we are to be a blessing to the nations. You know, if we wait until we have a surplus to give, we'll never give. Because we can always spend more money on ourselves. The desire to upgrade is unending. I know I feel this personally. You probably do, too. At some point, we just have to say, I'm grateful for what I have. This is enough for me. I'll share the rest. If we feel like we haven't been abundantly blessed, perhaps it's because our perspective is skewed. You know, when we compare ourselves to the mansions section of the Wall Street Journal or our education to an Ivy League degree, then it can feel like we don't have much. But we can't let our perspective on life and what we have be skewed by the super rich and the exceptionally educated. It's just biblically unhelpful and unhealthy. We're part of a global body. Compared to our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, God has abundantly blessed us. You know, I feel this every time I travel overseas. And compared to the lost around the world who've never heard the gospel, friends, we are gospel-rich. What an incredible gift. So in God's providence, why do we have so much? So much education, professional connections, so much access to the gospel, money. You know, enjoying what God has given us is biblical. And being grateful for abundance, absolutely biblical. But hasn't God also wonderfully positioned us to give generously for the good of the church and the lost worldwide? It's an incredible privilege that he's given us. The Bible says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you, 
For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. You know, reflecting on that scripture, what are we craving? What are you craving? We keep thinking we need more, and we don't. Well, this morning we've considered some of the ways, just some of the ways, God has blessed us. Tonight's service is a continuation of this service. In the evening service, we're going to meet more of your missionaries. We'll sing and give thanks to God for his goodness. We're going to celebrate his blessings. We'll look at more ways that God has blessed us to be a blessing. We're also going to commission Maria Lord and celebrate what your kids have done to raise supplies for the good neighbor teams. And if you don't know what a good neighbor team is, you'll find out tonight. Then after the service, you'll have a chance to interact with our missionaries at the Global Cafe and enjoy some great desserts. Well, as we conclude this morning's service... Here are a few final thoughts. The good news is too good to keep it to ourselves. Our outreach is based on the great commandment to love our neighbor and the great commission to make disciples of all nations. It's based on the belief that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And it's anchored in the biblical theme that we have been blessed to be a blessing We receive God's favor so that we will proclaim his greatness and salvation to the world. That biblical truth has sent us out to our neighbors and to the world for the last 150 years. Seventy years ago, a young Billy Graham spoke at a college church evangelistic service. He's in his 90s now, but his words from a recent interview are still good for us to hear. He writes... The most important issue we face today is the same the church has faced in every century. Will we reach our world for Christ? In other words, will we give priority to Christ's command to go into all the world and preach the gospel? The central issues of our time aren't economic or political or social, important as those issues are. The central issues of our time are moral and spiritual in nature. And our calling is to declare Christ's forgiveness and hope and transforming power to a world that does not know him or follow him. May we never forget this. May we never forget this. 